This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to MQ1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Jerry talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, a lot to get through tonight, gents, so uh, won't waste any time and I'll get to introducing everyone. So, uh, uh, Ross, how's your evening been so far and how are you doing in general? Yeah, feeling positive after the weekend's result. Yeah, doing good, thanks. Yeah, when you uh, beat the form team in the league, uh, well, in the form guide anyway, it's uh, hard to not be positive, isn't it, Joe? And uh, how are you doing yourself? Yeah, great. It's, it's weird. It seems it's been ages since we've done the podcast, but uh, a well a well needed rest. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've got a pretty busy Easter schedule, haven't we? With two games in what space of three days. So, yeah, back a little, a little break and then back to the grind. Um, we've also got a new special guest. Um, we have our pleasure to, to welcome on a uh, Harry Wright onto the podcast. So, Harry, how you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Um, of course, if you didn't know, uh, Harry Harry has been going to games during lockdown, obviously doing his reporting work. And uh, this game against Burton and the next game against Doncaster, he's uh, attending Milton's Don's games, so which is handy as a as a support. So yeah, we thought it'd be good to get your insight on what it's like to go to these games in this environment and what what it's like for Don's watching them. Um, so yeah, thanks for taking the time. No problem. Okay, so let's get into our Burton review. Of course, two uh, one win. Um, making a hat-trick of wins on the bounce. Really, really, really pleased performance. Um, I'm sure the lads would agree with me in terms of the first half, we completely controlled it. Uh, but I didn't really get a sniff of it too much. And then second half, um, you know, gave away a silly penalty. I'm, I'm not sure if it was Ethan Laird or Warren. Um, I, I think by the looks of it, Ethan just dived in and took him out, which when he's got when he's got a gammy shoulder anyway, that's a bit of a brave thing to do. Uh, Aikens puts it away and gets him a route back into the game. But... Um, we held them off, maybe something we wouldn't do earlier on in the season, and uh, took the three points back to Milton Keynes. So I'll get the uh, general thoughts of the gents, and I'll kick off with yourself, Ross. So how did you feel uh, Saturday went against Burton? I feel like we matched them more than enough in the sense of 
going into the game. I think a lot of our fans would have took a point. And uh, I know I said a one-all um, prior to the game. Um, but to, just to get three points out of that sort of game, and if you look at the context of the game also, the form and everything. And um, yeah, I was just generally pleased uh, um, with the result. Um, seven out of seven for Scott Fraser now from the spot. <laughs> He's due a miss, isn't he? Uh, he is, yeah. It's not this season. Um, but as you say, Liam, we allowed Burton back into the game um, off a needless challenge uh, from Laird. But I feel, felt we showed a different side to our game and um, we showed the grip to hold on and uh, beat Burton at the weekend. Yeah, and I felt um, going forward, uh, it was a completely different performance. Like, I think they gave a lot, the man Max uh, Scott Fraser, of course, which... In, in the past, would have been a good good decision to do because obviously Scott Fraser, we talk about him a lot being our creative hub going forward and not like he hasn't changed that. But when you do that, you uh, you leave players like Matt O'Reilly free to roam the field. And uh, when you do that, I think uh, Saturday is a good example of how good he is and how he's a great compliment to Armour Field in general and Fraser. Yeah, definitely. And he, he didn't, both of them didn't have to put in a, a shift, you know, defensively in the second half. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought we, we, we were really good on Saturday in the first half especially and I thought we looked dangerous and intense and pretty much controlled the game but we didn't really have the shots or the chances to show for it but looking back I mean Jerome had a goal disallowed I'm not too sure if it should have been disallowed um, and then also he, he was through on goal but a bad touch meant he, he like flicked up and handballed it so you know those could have been you know it could have been even you know two or three nil up in the first half and then, you know, again, it's just just this little silly error. Um, but ultimately, all of us, you know, Burton, who looked absolutely shattered, dead and out, they get they get a lifeline um, from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we have ground out quite a few results this season when we've had to, especially away from home. If you think back to Hull and Sunderland, you know, we came under the cosh quite a lot towards the end. But yeah, good to see that if, if this can become a another part of our armoury, adding into the, you know, the the attacking talent we've got, then it's more than welcome. Yeah, definitely. And it was a very impressive performance, of course. And yeah, taking our chances pretty much. You know, you got given, you know, Berta will say that several things. Henry Hasselbank said it took him an hour to get into the game. It took too long and things like that. But it all feels like excuses and maybe not getting the credit we deserve. And uh, maybe next season when we're a bit higher up on the table, the teams will year or give the players the respect they deserve in terms of the style they play and uh, as you said Joe the belief and you know grinding out three points which maybe maybe wouldn't have seen towards the start of the season uh, of course Harry you were at the game so um, you probably have some maybe differing views from myself Ross and Joe so uh, first of all how did how do you feel the game went and what what do you reckon we saw or you saw from the ground itself rather than what we could see and I follow well for me, I think that, as you say, we controlled the game, but I think they dictated the game, if you see what okay. I mean. Because the way they play and the way they're getting those fouls and the the pattern of the game was all down to them. They were kicking lumps out of people. They're relying on their set pieces and, and they're going to do that to a lot of teams. But obviously we controlled the ball. There's no denying that as we normally do. But the way they... They were just getting under our skin a bit, getting the fouls. They just stopped us from getting that rhythm. And I think that's probably why 
it was only two shots just because we couldn't get, I think the only time in the first half we got, you know, a lot of sort of penetration in, in into their defence was the time we got the penalty because as soon as they got that, we got the penalty and scored, that's when it started to get niggly. They're kicking lead. Obviously, the, the tackle went in on O'Reilly right in front of um, the dugout and they're just really good at getting under your skin and stopping you. They don't stop you playing because we had the ball and we had the possession, but they just stop you really getting... You know, as they they stop you, they get you as far as they want you, and then they'll just foul you. Um, and that's why I was surprised a little bit that that Jules didn't start because we knew what was coming. They're not going to change. Um, and yet, I think for me, what everyone's compliment complimenting the first half, but it definitely wasn't from where I was as rosy as as it looked. Um, Martin was on a, a sermon and McEachran a lot. Um, the ball rotation speed was nowhere near quick enough. I do. I think that's a problem that we've we've had for a while. Anyway, personally, I think um, when we're going to play teams who sit back, you've got to move the ball quicker around the back. The the middle six with the goalkeeper, the back three, and, and the two holding midfielders, the ball speed could easily be a little bit quicker and just moving people around just to create those more sp- uh, the space. Um, People were taking up some positions that you wouldn't see them at all, in at all. Fraser was sat on the right-hand side on the halfway line um, at one point just because he was wanting to get the ball and he wasn't being used. And, and Russ was shouting at the pair of them just to to look look elsewhere on the pitch, really. Um, so I definitely think there was some frustration in there. I think I was glad that we were 1-0 one, one up at the time. Um, I think it had been really easy to get a bit irritated by, by that. Um, but yeah, what I noticed really was that he really is in charge. You see some managers who who sit behind their assistants a lot. I knew you know, Robbo did it behind John Gorman a lot. Um, I was at Burton the other day and Joey Barton is sitting behind his assistant. His assistant's doing all the talking, all the shouting, all the guidance. Um, but no, Russ was stood on the touchline. He's the one who's pushing it. He's the one who's guiding the players. And it's really good to see someone... Obviously, it's good for us, but from a gen- just a general footballing point, I think it's really good to see him taking the lead and, and taking us where he wants to go, not where Luke or anyone else wants us to go. Yeah, I mean, those comments from Russ didn't really surprise me at all. Uh, he's seen the type of character to really imprint his own sort of methods and style. And if that wasn't clear from the press conference a few weeks ago, um, then it's very clear from what you're saying. Um yeah, I mean, to be fair, you're, you're probably you're probably right on the whole, you know, not dictating the game comments, and that and that's very fair to be honest. Um, but that, and yeah, on the other side of the coin, you know, we've, we've dictated the game so many times this season, and uh, we've had the exact same thing done to us where they've had two shots and scored. So I suppose um, it's not... and it was good as well that we we sort of did them at their own game with the second goal. Yeah, yeah. it's quite hard because when you play them, you can think that you've come under loads of pressure because. You know, we've had 70% of the ball, but it's probably in our two thirds. But when they get their 25%, it's in your box. It's in your box within five or 10 seconds. So it's really easy to watch and think we've been under the cosh when their whole style is built on knockdown. As Ross said, every now and again, one's going to drop to them. Um, and they've had a few recently, as, as you can see, they've had a few that has dropped straight to them. Um, but we didn't we didn't really let them. The only one would have been the, the Carter volley where he smashed it over the bar. Um, in the second half, I think. But that was when um, I was surprised actually because they then really went at Fisher about that because he's not, he wasn't all, they, they, were mo- they were saying that 
Carter was free for a while and no one picked him up. And he smashed it over the bar and they it, Dino was right out on the touchline having to go at fish for it um, for the organisation side. And you just you just felt that if he had caught that a bit sweeter, I think that was probably the best chance they had in the whole game. Um, and if he had caught that sweeter and it had gone in, we would have been sitting here with a very different story and saying it's happened again. Um, so as good as we were and as comfortable as we were, we can't get away from the fact that, you know, they did have that chance and, and, and we could have been sitting here with a different story. Yeah. And Dino's in charge of their pieces as well. Um, as he said to us on our episode with him, so yeah, listen to that, uh, be sure to check it out. So, um, I know he's, well, we know publicly he's been, um, speaking to sort of freelance people regarding set pieces. So it's very clear that he knows it's something to address. And obviously with fish being the man marshalling, as you pointed out there, those two are going to really work hard together in terms of trying to sort it out. Maybe that's an off-season thing. Um, so yeah, we, we got we got lucky, um, death has for sure. But we were definitely due a bit of luck this season. I think uh, with some of our performances we put in and maybe not getting the points that we deserve sometimes. I wanted to, as we chat about O'Reilly briefly, um, Ross, but it was kind of a surprise for maybe for me and you to see uh, Laird and McEachern both starting that game because obviously Laird. Uh, came out of the previous match with a fairly bad shoulder injury, which he played through for a little while, but had to come off. And of course, Maquette and had an next spasm. How did you feel both of those guys played in general? I know Ethan's, of course, was always his energetic self. And, uh, you know, as Harry mentioned, Maquette and you know, he got a few uh, shouts out from the dugout, but on the whole, I thought he did okay. So, how did you feel he did? I felt they'd done more than enough, um, especially Maquette in the middle of the park. Just just having that composure and settling down the midfield. Obviously, Harry said that they, they were passing um, too slow, but at times, maybe you need that just to settle things down and go again and rebuild. Um, and that's what McEachern's brought in to do, because sometimes we've lacked that this season in the sense of Sermon. He's been put under pressure and it's forced individual errors. But um, yeah, I felt he played um, a good game at the weekend. Um, as for Laird, I was, I was surprised to see him involved. It looked like on um, the game against Plymouth, it looked quite serious with his arm. But um, I, I believe he had it strapped up at the weekend. And uh, yeah, he looked like his normal self. Yeah, I think you're right there, Ross, because um, Joe, I'm sure you noticed that when Laird was sort of dribbling uh, down the right-hand side, he had that sort of weird posture about him, like he was protecting his shoulder, which is understandable, of course, for a big injury. Um yeah, I mean, Harry mentioned about the ball speed and yeah, I think, Ross, you're right in a sense in terms of it depends on the situation you're going into. Of course, if, you know, you've had a bit, you had a bit flustered, um, like the Dons were plenty of times in that game against Burton, you might want to just settle down. But there's definitely times where we're, we're struggling to break your team down and you pick up the pace a bit. And it's hard to tell an eye follow whether at times that's just us on the screen seeing that. Because um, I know, Joe, in the past you've mentioned how it seems a lot quicker when you're at the stadium than it does on like a stream. Um, but yeah, Saturday felt like at times we could them with a bit more picking up the pace, trying to create chances. Um, but yeah, a bit, bit, bit more back on the subject. Uh, uh, Joe, what was your thoughts on uh, Laird and McEachern on Saturday? Yeah, I think I really like McEachern. I think... It's, he's one of them players where, you know, it's pretty much his job is to either win the ball back, stop a counter-attack and then, you know, start the ball rolling ready for 
you know, ready, ready for the next attack. And I think, I think as well, one thing which I think we've mentioned before is that, you know, a lot of time people moan about having a lot of possession and not doing anything with it. But when you're winning 1-0, you know, possession can be that a quite a good defensive tool in a way because, well, at the end of the day, if you've got the ball, the opposition can't do it like can't, <laughs> they can't score if you've got the ball. Um, and and it's it's a, um, you know, we, I think in the first half, they only had one shot inside the box. The other two were just, you know, I think there's a couple of speculative efforts from outside the box. So for all of, you know, maybe looking a bit passive or slow, I thought just by having the ball, you kind of control the, you control the game in the sense that, you know, they're not able to dictate play. And they, in the second half, they had a few shots, but that was just when we kind of sat back and they were just launching balls into us. And it almost looked like they just had that extra bit of belief. I thought, but I thought, yeah, first half, they, they, they didn't really do anything. So although we may have had the ball um, a fair bit and, and not done anything ourselves, it, it still means that the other team isn't having uh, many shots on, on our defence. Um, and yeah, sorry, just going back on to Laird, I thought, yeah, he did well. He, he I think he was, he, he, he was dealt with quite um, viciously. I think, I think he, he, he suffered four fouls. Um, but you know he, he's always a bit of a targeted man with his pace, so it's uh, it's no surprise that he just gets up and gets on with it, really. Yeah, type of attitude you want on a player, isn't it? Really, especially a young player um, doesn't get knocked down too much by the knockdowns and uh, keeps going. And by his uh, presser today uh, for the preview for the, the game on the Saturday against Doncaster, he, he's still pretty upbeat and still the character you want in the dressing room, who's going to uh, be a keen learner and someone who's uh, yeah you want in your, your squad basically. Um, Harry, I'm interested to get your thoughts on uh, Cameron Jerome and his battle with uh, Mancien on Saturday um, because there's a few Burton accounts, that, especially one that does the, the Mancien league table and a bit like what uh, Salah Cast did with Steve Cottrell, they've done a, a league table of when Mancien came into the starting 11. I think they were like second, even after the defeat uh, yesterday, once Mancien was introduced into the back line. But for me personally, I thought Cammy did a pretty good job on Mancien, to be honest. One of our better players. So I was interested to hear your thoughts on how uh, Cammy was for you, looking at him with your own two eyes rather than on an iFollow uh, laptop or uh, TV. Well, yeah, it's it's two wily old campaigners, isn't it, really? Um, I've seen, I saw Mancien play for them against Bristol Rovers and he was in the, uh, the midfield. Um Okay. Bostwick and Carter behind him. Carter's been fantastic for them. Um, but I think he was just really lively and he did get the better of him, as we say. Joe, he had, he had the chance in behind that was... He probably did handball it. Um, he got in behind the keeper and he's just a constant live wire. Um, he definitely had Mancien panicking um, a lot. He was constantly looking to get in behind. He was constantly looking to, to try and affect him and and, and make sure that he knew that he was in, in for a, a difficult afternoon. And he was. Um, he definitely didn't look comfortable. I think they definitely missed Bostwick in there. I think we got lucky. He only missed that one game. I think he was ill. Um, but he, he definitely makes a big difference. Uh, and Cammy definitely, you know, put a job, in, uh, a job on him on Saturday. Yeah, there was, I forgot who said it, but there was times where, you know, Burton were trying to press us on Saturday. And of course, we were passing it around them. And as you mentioned with Mancy moving to the midfield, there was calls for him at the time to just push on forward more, more at field to essentially play that DM role. So 
they have extra man midfield to try and counteract us. But for whatever reason, he was just so attached to Cammy. And in the end, that cost him because I believe one of our goals, I think it was our second goal, came from him not stepping up. And then, uh, yeah, the goal goes in and you're 2 0 down and you're looking for a way back into the game. So, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I say he gave me a tough afternoon for sure. And uh, I put in my notes here, he had him on toast, but maybe it wasn't as clear cut as that. But I felt he had a really good game and he was, uh, yeah, he deserves a bit more for his efforts, really. Um, of course, it was fitting for Wano Hora to score on uh, the week of St. Patrick's Day, Ross. Uh, and I think out of the three defenders, he was, he was very impressive. And I mean, maybe Harry Darling also was as equally as good as him. But uh, Ross, how do you feel Warren did uh, scoring his first winning goal of his career against uh, Burton? I think the thing with the, the, with the back line, um, I feel like Louis and Darling always get the praise. And Fair, fair play to them. In previous weeks, they have um, deserved that praise. Um, but I feel like Warren Ihor has really started to develop into a really tight defender for this level. And um, I do believe um, he's someone with, obviously, maturity and he can he can thrive at a higher level, exactly like Darling, because of, as we saw at the weekend, he, he can do that physical side if he wants. And you've got to be, you've got to be in the box, obviously, to score that goal at the end of the day. It's not... I don't see it as luck in any sense. You've still got to pull it away. And um, yeah, he's come, on, he's come on leaps and bounds this season and long may it continue. Yeah, and we mentioned that winning goal, of course, came from a set piece. You mentioned about how Dino's been working on the set pieces, Joe. So is this a score for set pieces a thing we, we can see in the future, do you reckon? I definitely hope so. I think it's, <laughs> it's um, I think we're one of the highest scorers from open play in the league. If we can become one of the highest scorers from set plays as well. And there's no reason why not with some of the, you know, we've got some big fellas in the team. Um, then it's just another string to our, um, you know, another, was it? String to my bow, that's it. Um, there you go. And I think that, I think, you know, we, we, it's good to have such a diversified threat to the attack as well, you know, because at the start of the season that you could probably say, well, if we're not scoring down the left, we're not going to be scoring at all because it's pretty much everything went through Fraser and like Fraser Harvey and and whoever the left-sided striker was and that was pretty much it. Um but now you've got, you know, if if, if they mark out the left side of the pitch, you've got O'Reilly and Laird on the right and then you've got and then you can also go through the center with, you know, O'Reilly and Fraser arriving late into the box. So yeah, I think set pieces are, are, are really important and um it's great. I think we we scored we've scored a couple in in recent weeks now. So it's good, good to see, and uh, long may it continue. Yeah, never having you for goals, and uh, say we're on, I think it's fifty-four league goals now. So we're pretty much up there with the, the big teams in the league in terms of the ones that are you know fighting for the promotion and that. So yeah, if we can only two keep... teams have more. Yes, well there you go then. Um, so yeah, if we can keep that uh, scoring record up for next season, and maybe stop a few more going in the other other our end, uh, should be up there for sure. Um, a surprising substitution for me, at least, uh, was Dan Harvey coming on on the 75th minute on Saturday and going to right wing back. I think uh, when most people saw Dan Harvey was coming on, they expected Toronto to go over to the right hand side and Harvey to start into his usual left uh, hand side. Um, Harry, you may have seen a bit more of Dan Harvey than we did. Of course, he had that little clip of him uh, going down in the box in nine second minutes with a free kick and uh, some Burton fans weren't too happy with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, how, obviously, yeah, I said you saw more of him. So how did you feel um, Dan did at right wing back for the 15 or so minutes he did play? 
I was surprised, to say the least. Um, it was right in front of me when he came on, and obviously Sorinola was stood there with his back to him, and I, I was just thinking, are you going to turn around and you know wander off at some point? And he just never did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't see too much of him to be honest. He was on the far side, and it was it was of the last fifteen minutes. It was it's when you start getting from from my point of view, it's when I started getting quite busy and my head's unfortunately a little bit more down than up for the last 10 minutes. But I think he was definitely sent on with a reason. It's obviously not, you know, the, the point we were in, uh, the, the position we were in, he definitely wasn't sent sent on to charge up and down and put some whipped left-footed balls in. Um, but I just think he was obviously there to disrupt, to, he obviously brought on Jules and uh, and Harvey to provide a little bit more presence than Sorinola and, and Laird. And I think from that point of view, um, he did really well. They were all they were all in there in the box the whole time. They were all going up, putting the bodies on the line for everything. Um, and as you said, he's got that little bit of a streak in him that he's he's going to try and win us a few free kicks that maybe you know a, a young lad like Sorinola or, or Laird they haven't quite learnt that yet. Um, but that will come. But let's say we know what Harvey's like, and I think there's no surprise that he did that. He didn't work, but you know more for him. He didn't get booked for it, so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it was it's a pivotal free kick as well, because there's a good chance that Burton were gonna have a scoring opportunity from there. Um so yeah, and those are those are the type of characters on Twitter that I think you want in the squad especially. And uh Ross, if, if he can uh well if he's gonna be in that sub, which is with Sorinola playing on the four minutes right now, then I think that's gonna be it for the foreseeable future. But having those characters in the squad is really important, isn't it? Especially when you need to grind out a result like we did against Burton. It certainly is, but um Obviously, we're not promoting for him to do that every every week, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you if you look at at the team on the whole basis, it just shows that everyone wants to play and be involved on in the match day, and it's actually quite refreshing to see that because in, in previous seasons we might have not had that. So um, I think it, even just seeing how Harvey switching to that right wing back, he's ready to come on and do the job. Yeah, happy to play wherever he's slotted into, and uh, yeah, contributes to the three points. So. Excellent performance, Dan. Uh, keep it up. <laughs> of course, um, there's a final comment of today from actually prior to the also after the uh, Burton game of Russ maybe looking to change up um, the squad in the next couple of weeks with players looking to get some more chance in the first team. Of course, I think it's four games in a row now we haven't changed the starting eleven, so it'll be interesting to see uh, not only if he goes through with that comment and. If he changed it up, especially against Doncaster, but we'll also get the thoughts of the gents uh, later on in terms of their starting 11 to score predictions um, before opposition overview uh, with uh, into the empty net from uh, the Doncaster Rovers uh, content creators. Okay, so that's our Burton uh, review done. Uh, we'll take a short break before we get into celebrating a certain person's angel appearance at the Dons. Okay, so Saturday marked uh, Dean Lewington's angel appearance for the Dons. Um, of course, there's not many people who are ever going to reach angel appearances, especially for one club and, of course, an absolute legend uh, in our eyes. And we don't feel the media's covered it enough, so we thought we'd dedicate a whole section to talking about uh, Louis' time at the Dons and some of our favourite moments. And, of course, we asked you all for your favourite moments as well, um, you, you as the listeners, so we'll go through some of those now. Um, first of all, a bit of a funny one from James Darcy mentions about how he saw Louis uh, rock up to uh, Pink Punters in a full MK Dons tracksuit when they got promoted to the championship. 
of course, that's a pretty special day for everyone. But uh, yes, seeing that frame is pretty special. Um, John Taylor spoke about um, how when who he'd like to get in the cut for Dean Lewington, and uh, he said seventeen from Kingston. So we all know who they are. Um, a lot of mentions for the Swindon game, especially the push of uh, the manager Cooper uh, from uh, Martin J. Afton and Jonathan Harry's. Uh, one of the person leaves. Oh yeah, Brett. Of course, uh, can't say the exact words he put it in, but you know the moment. Um, Albie spoke about uh, the 2016 win against ASC Wimbledon at one 0 at our place. Absolutely dire game, but of course Dean Bowditch took the penalty away. And uh, at the end of the game, Louis goes to uh, greet Lyle Taylor or sympathise with him, I suppose. And it's of course that iconic photo of uh, Lyle Taylor bending down and Dean Lewington tapping him on the shoulder. Um, uh, Sean Mulhern spoke about um, how he felt it was quite an underrated moment, but uh, Stevenage away, a 2-0 win. Um, he wasn't very good, apparently, Lewinson on the day, but he came on for the last 15 minutes and scored the last-minute winner for us. So, yeah, pretty good moment there. Uh, Alex Mackle, uh, another moment, talks about uh, Bradford at home in the 05-06 season. And I'm pretty sure Don's action uh, tweeted out the goal for this, but a uh, basically picks the ball outside his own box, dribbles through the whole pitch um, and then sticks in top corner. And uh, he said he didn't think he could do it again if he tried, but um, I reckon he could. And there was one more, and I'll give it to Franco. He, he said to us to mention to him, so I'm going to mention it for him. Um, he said, uh, jokingly, I remember once when uh, Lewington went the entire game without flooring over or where he passed with his right foot. Um, and he couldn't remember he's making up or just getting a mention. So either way, Franco, you got your mention. So uh, I hope you're happy. So those are all your uh, favourite Dean Lewington moments. Uh, I'm hoping there's not been too much crossover from the gents, but I'll pass it over to them to give their favourite moments. And uh, so Ross, what's your, your favourite Dean Lewington moment for his time at the Don so far? Yeah, there's loads of moments with Louis. He's just um, sentimental value and all that. But I've gone with a slightly different one. Um, Sean mentioned it in the comments you've made um, with a 2-0 down at Stevenage. I think it came to the, like, the last 10 minutes and we we're losing 2-0. And then uh, Jordan Spence, I believe, scored a sc like a scrappy goal from what I remember. And then the goal of the day in Ben Reeves, he scored like a 25-yard um, peach. Um, it, it was some strike. It's definitely worth watching again. Um, and then the man of the moment, heads one in. Um, but what makes me remember this moment so much was Louis didn't really know how to celebrate in the sense of like he scored the goal. He didn't, he didn't know what to do. And it was just amusing for sure. But um, yeah, what, I feel like Louis is the type of player you don't realise it until he's gone. And when he does hang up his boots, then we'll start to realise how much a big figure he actually is for Milton Keynes Football Club. Oh, definitely. And that's why it's been this whole talk of, you know, we did it with Dean, didn't we? We talked about renaming the stand, the away stand after him, uh, the statue, um, and it's other things. Was the number? Um, and as you know, he doesn't seem to care. But yeah, we won't see a pair like this again at the club. I mean, it's a very, very unlikely chance that will ever happen. So you've got to well make the most of Dean whilst he's here, and hopefully he's here for a long time, whether that's on the picture or off it. But also, yeah, literally make the most of it, and hopefully next season we can go to the majority of games and we'll get to see him in another season of him being on the pitch, another season of him performing at the highest level for the club and uh, yeah, hopefully contributing to a really successful season. Uh, Joe, what's your, what's your favourite Dean Lewington moment? 
Um, I'm going to be greedy. I couldn't pick one, so I've gone for two. <laughs> um, I think that one of them was mentioned, and I, I just love that Mark Cooper moment where he just shoves him over at Swindon away. And it's probably that's probably my favourite ever away game as well. I think it's because it was that was right in the middle of the run where towards the end of the season where we were quite far behind second place and we were just basically praying that we kept winning and Preston would drop points and Swindon were fourth at the time then. Um, so it was an absolutely huge win and to win 3-0 and then, you know, live on TV and Lewington just shoving over Mark Cooper. It always comes out every time we're, we're playing them. So, yeah, that was a brilliant moment. And then um, that free kick he scored against Yeovil and just that Yeovil game in general when we got promoted to the Championship. I think as well, people forget he was on a hat-trick for the last like, 20 minutes of the game. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it almost sums up Lewington in... I, I, I think I heard... Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Luke Chadwick was saying on the podcast, like people don't realise how good Dean Lewington actually is. And I mean, he's had chances to go to, you know, he's had chances to maybe go play championship a bit more regularly, but I think he could probably take all of our corners and free kicks now. And if he, and probably have, you know, quite a high degree of success because he really does have a, a, a wand of a left foot to use that football cliche. But yeah, I, I just think uh, yeah, the, the the first time we've been promoted to the championship for Lewington to be on a hat trick for the last twenty minutes—that's uh, yeah, quite something. Yeah, I'm not surprised that a lot of people's memories of Lewington have, have come from that season because it's a memorable season. We had a lot of really talented players that year, and uh, yeah, that Mark Keeper one is uh, certainly up there on my list too. Um, Harry, what's your favourite Dean Lewington moment so far? Mine combines a bit of everything, really. That wand of a left foot and the fact we all know he doesn't really score money um it was in and around my 16th birthday and we went to Walsall and uh we got a free kick quite early on actually and had a defender sent off and who else but him steps up and absolutely smashes it into the far corner and I don't know why I remember it um we didn't go up that season it wasn't an important game it was early September but I think it was one of my first away games or one of the the first away games where I was going regularly um, and that's just a, a, a definitely a moment of his I'll never forget it was a fantastic free kick yeah mine um, it's interesting because you, you all mentioned once with Lewington actually done something whereas mine's a bit different I think I was about eight or nine years old when we had the game against Tranmere at the National Hockey Stadium and we had to win the game to stay up and Obviously, uh, Edsy has that amazing running goal, which I'll never forget. And all you see after the goal in full time, I think it's a picture of Lewington to celebrate in the goal, but as soon as it goes in with Edsy, but you just see this guy with ginger afro running around on the pitch the whole game and after full time. And obviously, it's that picture of him celebrating in front of the cow shed. It was just a really incredible day. And of course, that being you know, our first season actually being MK Dons, it was just a memorable moment for me. And a lot of, well, a lot of us younger fans maybe didn't get to experience that because we weren't supporting the club or we weren't involved in MK Dons that much at that time. Um, yeah, a special moment for me. And of course, I know the uh, Sit Down with City Club guys talked about it on their pod this week, but the JPT final was really class as well. Of course, Keith Andrew kind of stole the limelight, but uh, Louis enjoyed it as much as he did. And of course, uh, him and Willie had a nice celebration after the game as well. So, yeah, those are very, very agreed like Joe. Those are my two. Um, but, yeah, he's an absolute legend. And, 
yeah, appreciate appreciate him while we have him because he won't be here for too much longer, unfortunately, in terms of playing on the pitch. Um, of course, we say that every season. Well, we do, we do. Um, but <laughs> eventually, it will come to an end. Um, of course, he's turned on for next season, which would be great. As uh, hopefully, it won't be his farewell tour. But even if it is, we could get to, uh, to say bye to him properly, and uh, hopefully, he's at the club for a long time. Okay, so gents. We've got a game on Saturday to focus on. Um, before we jump into my conversation with Adam from Into the Empty Net, I want to get your guys' thoughts on a uh, starting 11 predictions and, of course, a score predictions as usual. So, Ross, what's your start 11 prediction for Saturday and what do you reckon it'll be score wise? Yeah, I've, I've gone with just the one change um, going into Saturday, obviously, um, week off and all that. So, they have had some rest. Um, so I've gone with Fish, Fisher in goal, with O'Hora, Darling and Louis as a back three. And then I've gone with Laird and Sorinola on the wing backs. And then I've gone with Josh McEachran and here's my change. I've gone Sermon out, Thompson in. I've been screaming for it for weeks now. And I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually come true one, one, one weekend at least. Um, yeah, I just can't, I can't. I can't rave about Thompson enough. He just, he's just. If we don't sign him next season, uh, he'll be a big loss for sure. Um, and then just above him in the box, I've gone with O'Reilly and Fraser, and I've gone with Cami up top. And then as for my score, I've gone with a two-one Don's victory. I know Doncaster are going through a tough spell at the moment, and I'm hoping we can take advantage of it um, with it being at home. And I've, yeah, I feel like we will edge this one two one. Yeah, everyone knows this, this podcast. Louis T propaganda is rife every single week. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's interviewed today or a few days ago that was released the other day uh, for the I follow. Just shows everything that's about him and why we love him so much. He gets it. He wants to be here by the sounds of it next season, and hopefully uh, the club can make it happen. And but yeah, he's a brilliant personality and it's clear to see that whether he's starting or coming off the bench as an impact player, he's equally as invested into the team and this process. And yeah, like uh, like two on prediction, uh, I went I went three one Dons, I believe. Uh, I said Doncaster really struggling with their uh, chance creation at the moment in terms of scoring goals as well as that. So of course they had Butler that's coming in for this like six game period so far. So yeah, I agree. Um, Joe, what's your start alone prediction looking like and what's your score? prediction looking like as well um i've actually gone for the fifth consecutive game i've gone unchanged um i'd love to see louis come in but I, I can't see it personally and i mean it's not as if sermon's really done anything wrong in the last couple of games um i could also the other change i could maybe see is will grigg getting a go because i think it, will griggs look lively off the bench um but you know when jerome when you've got a striker in form scoring goals it's pretty hard to then turn around to him and say sorry mate um you're not playing on saturday um so i i, I think he'll go unchanged again but i wouldn't be surprised to see maybe one of those two um chance uh changes um i've gone two nil dons i think i think we we've got the quality to beat a team of of this quality we've we've done it before plenty of times this season and we were very very competitive at their place earlier in the season although I think um, one of the um, um, journalists said on Russ's press conference today that I think only three of the people that started that game kicked a ball on Saturday so that just shows um, the amount of sort of churn and change that's gone on with this squad um, yeah so I'm going 2-0 I think Fish is due a clean sheet blessing 
he's not been helped out with some of the, uh, you know, sermon sticking one past him, a couple of penalties being given away, and then you know, thirty-five yard, thirty-yarder against Plymouth. So I do feel Fish has been a bit hard done by recently. So hopefully he can get his clean sheet. Yeah, after a week's rest, I'd be very surprised if. Uh major changes are done to this Don side. Um, of course, he meant, Russ mentioned himself, I some players need that rest. And uh, I imagine it'll be a very similar team to the one that's gone on this winning streak. Um, Harry, of course, you're at the game Saturday yourself. So I'm sure you may have some, based on what you saw the previous Saturday against Burton, maybe some differing opinions on starting 11s, etc. So what's your uh, predicted starting 11 for Doncaster on Saturday? And what do you reckon it'll be score-wise? I thought it was going to be just me, but I, I do think we'll go unchanged again. I hope we do. Um, I'm sure it's not very often that we've gone five and unchanged or whatever, whatever it'll be. Even when Robbo was here, we all know that he loved to chop and change, even if it was just with the, the front two. Um, so, yeah, I do think we'll go unchanged again. I think if there is any change, um, because they have had a week off, um, it will be somewhere in the midfield. Both McEachran and Sermon came off on Saturday. Um and they do just they did just look a bit leggy. Um, they have both played a lot of football. Obviously, Sermon is at the back end of his career rather than the, the early stage, and, and McEachran hasn't played for um, however long before he came here. So we, we do need to protect him in a way that we don't want him to get another injury that means we've got another man down. Um, but no, at the end of the day, I think we'll go unchanged again. I'd like to see that. Um, and I'm really struggling with the with the prediction because I, I don't see us keeping a clean sheet. I just can't. See, I know we're due one, but I just can't see it coming. But they haven't scored many recently either. Um, I'm going to go three one. I think we'll we'll put a few past them because um, they are conceding a decent amount of goals. They're not in great form, but I just still think we've got a mistake in us somewhere that will will cost us a goal. Yeah, I've got exactly the same issue. I got unchanged starting eleven and three one win for the Dons. Um, yeah, I mentioned in my written preview for uh, the Empty Net, which is coming out a few hours after it's released, actually, that we just give chances away, no matter who we're playing against. Um, it doesn't really matter if you've got Clark Harris or God knows who else up front. It's, it's just going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's safe to say we'll concede, which would be a shame for Fish, because he's, as Joe said, he deserves a clean sheet. Um, but, yeah, I think equally their defence is a bit wishy-washy at the moment and our attacks doing pretty well. Um, so yeah, I think I think uh, a score win is definitely on the cards, and yeah, two two one three one sounds about right to me. Okay, well, Harry, thank you very much for uh, coming onto the podcast and giving us your insight from Saturday. If you want to uh, plug anything, then feel free. <laughs> no, um, just read my report. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, give some good insight there, and of course, especially if it's Don's related, everyone's interested in reading about that. So yeah, give check him out one hundred percent. Okay, so take a short break and then we'll get into my chat with Adam from Into the Empty Net with a more in-depth preview of uh, Doncaster on Saturday. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so after a hat-trick of wins uh, for the Dons, they return back to Stadium K and welcome a team who's hoping to uh, be in the postseason of League One at least in Doncaster Rovers. 
and we've got the pleasure of welcoming on Adam from Into the Empty Net, uh, which is Doncaster Rover-based uh, content producers. So, uh, Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all right, thank you, and happy to be here and discussing Saturday's game. Yeah, how's your week been so far? Been busy? Yeah, it's been all right. I've been quite grateful for us not having a midweek match for a change. I think it's, well, feels like first time in months. So, it's yeah, it's been nice, a bit of change of pace in terms of website and stuff and been able to focus on some other things a bit more as well because, I mean, I'm sure you know, having to cover a game every three and four days, is it gets a bit tiring after a while and this season's been so um, hectic, I suppose, that it's it's been difficult to keep up at some time and keep that motivation going, I suppose. Yeah, we do. We did like a forty-minute pod each game, pretty much. Uh, so obviously reviewing the previous game and going into the next one. And yeah, doing that twice a week is a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat as you as having this little mini break uh, of a few days is a uh, very nice. Okay, so um, obviously last time we played each other was the first game of the season, uh, which feels so 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 long ago now compared to where we are now. Um, so give us a bit of a breakdown on how Donny's season has gone since then and um, everything that's happened. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was trying to think back to that game. I mean, I was actually uh, in Prague at the time, so I watched it from, okay. from there. Um, obviously, couldn't have been there anyway, thanks to the uh, the pandemic. But, um, you know, I thought it was a good game and it, and it showed two decent sides, I think, who, who probably had some nice plans for the season on on uh, being competitive. And I think, well, looking at the table, I think both sides have managed that. Um, our season were going pretty well on a, on a pretty good upward trajectory until Darren Moore left. Um, that's kind of derailed everything a bit. And I won't say everything's been, you know, I mean, it's always been kind of thrown off course. I mean, we're still in playoffs. Um, you know, we've got Andy Butler in for the rest of the season now, which, you know, a bit similar to yourselves. It's a, a former player coming in his first uh, managerial job. And, and so far, I think he's done an OK job. Um, but, you know, on a bit of a hiding to nothing, we're a squad of players. Obviously, he knows them all. He's been part of that playing staff, but not anything he's had any influence over in terms of the squad makeup. Um, you know, we've had a lot of injuries as well since he took over, which, you know, was just bad luck. Um, and I think that we're wavering a bit now and we're starting to look a bit like we might be in a bit of jeopardy, especially because there's so many teams uh, behind now. We're closing in on that top six, probably going down to about yourselves in 13th because I think you're only five points off at playoffs. And yes, the games are running out now, but I mean, I, st- I still feel like any one of those sides in that mix could still go on a run and get in there. So I think we're feeling the pressure at the minute and the consistency has gone a bit. But uh, if you said to me, has it been a good season for us so far? I have to say yes, because, you know, we're fifth in league and it's certainly uh, as good as I thought we could be this season uh, and very pleased to be in, in the playoffs and, and being able to push for a place in the promotion shape. Yeah, I mean, it's looking at your recent results, especially in March in particular, there's been a real, like, struggle to score goals by the looks of it. You know, Gillingham was the only time you've well, scored a goal since the start of the month, pretty much, yeah. I think. So that just shows you, you know, is that is that an issue as far as I know you've got quite a few talented um, players up top, which we'll talk about later on. But has, has that been an issue for you in terms of the goal scoring? Yeah, it's not so much the goal scoring, I suppose, as creating chances and, and okay. really been able to get around teams and getting through defences. Um, where Obviously, we sold Ben Whiteman in January and he was really the fulcrum of the whole team. Um, everything ran through him. Uh, his vision, his distribution were just top class for this level, which is why he's earned a move to the championship. And we've not really got anybody that can do that now. Um, Darren Moore signed John Bostock to replace him. And, and he looks like a quality player. You know, obviously, most people know him as a former kind of wonder kid prodigy um, when he was younger. And he's, he's approaching 30 now, but he's clearly got great talent, really good vision. We, he has set up a couple of really good goals for us um, since he came in, but he's not really been match fit. Um, he's only really played 50, 60 minutes here and there. And then he got injured. 
think it were at Crew a few weeks ago, so we've not seen him since. I'm hoping he'll be back this weekend. Um, but since he got injured, I, I say I don't think we scored a goal apart from the ones at the weekend against Gillingham and and just getting through defences, I suppose, and getting the ball into goal scoring areas has been the problem. I won't I won't really lay the blame at the feet of the strikers so much as the the midfield lacking creativity and maybe just the overall play of the team being a little bit slow, a bit ponderous. Um, which became a bit of a regular feature under Darren Moore, that, that kind of slow build-up. Andy Butler did say he wanted us to be quicker and, and a bit more ruthless. And we did show that on Saturday, I will say. Uh, if you go back and watch our second goal, it were exactly the kind of thing that we're wanting to see, um, getting the ball in behind, cutting it back and, and getting shots off in, in the penalty area. You just don't see enough of it. Um, and in those other games recently, we've drawn blanks against Northampton especially and, yeah, a little bit against Oxford. Um, we've just not really had the penetration into the area. Defences have kind of snuffed us out too easily. And, and then when it, it all goes wrong at the other end, as it has been doing, then you don't win games and, you know, you, you make it harder for yourself. So I think that's really the main reason why our form's dropped off of late. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Gillingham, sorry, yeah, Gillingham game. I suppose it's two shots on target, two goals. I mean, you can't ask much more than that, can you, really? But, yeah, as you said, it's, it's that chance creation by the sounds of it that's an issue. And, um, well, previously we have been a side that hasn't given up too many chances, but we've been punished for the ones that we have given up. So maybe we'll we'll see that pop up again on Saturday. Um, of course, you mentioned uh, the transition from uh, Darren Moore, who went, moved on to Sheffield Wednesday with a butler coming in. I want to get your perspective on that because obviously you you know a lot, lot more about it than myself. So how has that transition gone so far? And could you see Butler carrying on after this season or would you be looking to get someone else in? Yeah, I, th- I mean, everybody at the club loves Butts. I mean, he's he's an absolutely fantastic character. He's a local lad. Um, he really he really understands the club. Uh, he understands how the fans want the team to play. And he certainly understands the abilities of the players that he's got because obviously he was one of them and he, he knows most of them very well. Um, the transition has been smooth in, in one sense. I mean, we won our first two games after he took over um, against Portsmouth and Plymouth. And particularly against Plymouth, I think we dug in really well and, and did show a lot more ruthlessness, I suppose, and a bit more passion. Um, and all the players that I've, you know, seen and heard since Butler came in have said, it's a breath of fresh air in training, the intensity's gone up, everyone's kind of got a bit more licence to be a bit uh, more proactive in the play individually and as a team. I think Darren Moore set teams up, not defensively, but he set 11 players up with it, with very specific jobs to do and they had to stick to them. And sometimes that kind of led to mistakes that you wouldn't normally see or, you know, some bad judgments here and there. Not that Darren were a bad manager because he wasn't. He did very well here. Um, I think for Andy to come in, he's trying to get a bit more passion into the team, which at times we've seen in these five or six games since he took over. Um, and at other times, it does still feel like a Darren Moore side. And, and I think for the rest of this season, it is just going to feel like Andy Butler's kind of steering the ship that Darren Moore set off from the harbour, so to speak. Um, and that's fair enough. The, you know, the aim is to get into the playoffs. I think if we finish in the top six, Butler will probably get the job for next season. Um, if we miss out, or, or just if it looks like it's just not really benefiting us too much, then I think we'll look elsewhere. I think the big thing for the board was we like to go on a big vetting process and a big recruitment process. Um, we did that for Darren. We did that when we appointed Grant McCann and both of those appointments, they took a while over the summer, but they paid off. Um, we, you know, good appointments who, who did well and then earned moves to bigger clubs. Um, and I think the the board would rather do that again than kind of mess about with it in the middle of the season or knee-jerk appoint somebody quickly who's available and kind of take stock in May, June and think, shall we stick with Butts? 
shall we appoint someone new or shall we maybe have a recruitment process that Butler can be part of and see if he measures up to whoever applies. I could see that happening. Um, from a personal perspective, I like Andy Butler a lot. Uh, I'd like him to be around the club for years and if he can be a successful manager for us, it'd be wonderful. It would be brilliant. So far, I think it's too early to tell whether he'll manage that or not. Um, he did manage our women's team, Doncaster Rovers Bells, for I think a year and a half, two years. And even though they're in non-league now in women's football, he did a good job there. He, he kind of galvanised a very, very young team. And obviously, it's a completely different game, really, than than men's professional football. But um, he really galvanised that team and kind of got us going again after some really bad years. We a team basically full of teenagers and, and you know, uh, inexperienced players. So I think he's clearly got the motivational aspects and maybe the man management. Um, I think he's shown that at the Bells. And I think that his relationship with our current playing staff will help that. But in terms of tactics, in terms of long term, I don't know yet. I, I won't write him off, but it's hard to say. Uh, and at this point, you know, unless we're going to go on an amazing winning run and finishing top two somehow, which I don't, I don't foresee that. Um, then in the summer, I would be happy for us to have a recruitment process and, and have a look at who's available or who wants the job. Yeah, I mean, with us with Russ Martin, a big part of why we're so successful is because our assistant manager Luke Williams, who has been well-renowned for being one of the better tacticians in the league, in the EFL in terms of the way he sets up his team. So maybe that's the same route that Donnie could take, maybe trying to find that assistant manager that's going to work well with Butler in terms of getting what he understands in terms of his football and what he wants and then recruiting around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of options for you. Of course, managers like Stender were still out there looking for a job. So if the club feel like he's available, then they can go for him. Quite surprised Pompey didn't take that opportunity, to be honest, but maybe they didn't, he didn't like the sound of a, a short-term contract, which is completely understandable. I suppose uh, also it's it's kind of hard not to talk about Donny when you talk about uh, James Coffinger. Of course, the play has been there for a hell of a long time and you know the word, the word legend doesn't get put around too much of football, but I feel with ourselves, with Dean Lewington and yourselves with Coppinger, there's two players there who I definitely consider as legends in the game. So if it is Coppinger's last season, which, I mean, at 40 years old, I'm not sure. Uh, it, yeah, it made, fingers <laughs> crossed, uh, assist from Adam there. Um, but no, how, I mean, give us a brief summary of his career and what he means to Doncaster. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be tough to do a brief summary. Um, I will say yeah. first, Dean Lewington, obviously, he's the only player in the league, I think, who's been at his current club longer than Coppinger in the FL, which is... Some achievement, isn't it? The pair of them. Um, I, I don't. I might have this a bit wrong, but I feel like um, first time they played against each other for these clubs might have been MK's first game. I might be wrong about that, but it's something like that anyway. And it was very, very alone. They played against each other, MK versus Donny for the first time, and they were both playing then, and they'll probably both play on Saturday as well. Um, Coppinger is he's incredible. I mean, he's forty years old now. He said he's retiring at the end of the season. I. There's, there's kind of a feeling going around that he might give it another year just to maybe play in front of the fans. And he said that he, as long as his body holds up, he's happy to play. And it is clearly holding up. He's in great form at the minute. I'd say he's probably our best player at the moment. Um, and the thing is, Andy Butler's brought him back into the fold a bit. Darren Moore was kind of using him as a, a late sub. Not really how you get the best out of a player like Cops. And Andy Butler's brought him back in as the number 10. And he's and he's playing regularly and he's scoring goals. He was the main reason we got a draw at the weekend. Um I mean, his career has been incredible for us. He's, uh, he's been part of, I want to say, four promotions. Um, he scored the the dramatic goal that won us the title in this division in 2013. You know, um, Brentford missed a penalty. We went up the end and Coppinger scored. Um, he was there when we won promotion from League Two under Darren Ferguson. He was there when we beat Leeds at Wembley. Very unlucky not to get a goal that day. 
back in 2008. So he's, he's done it all with us, really. He's played in three different divisions, scored goals, assists, great skills and just brilliant attitude and approach to game. He's, he's a wonderful, wonderful player. Um, I think if he were three inches taller, he'd probably have played in Premier League, personal opinion on that, um, because um, I don't think really the smaller technical players were as revered until Messi came along. And that was a you know, little bit later than Coppinger breaking through at Newcastle. Um, a great player. Uh, everybody loves him. Everyone's talking about trying to get him a statue outside at ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he if he does retire at the end of the season, it will be a big shame that his last year has been spent not in front of any fans because we all love him and he knows that. And uh, he loves playing in front of us as well. But uh, if it is to be, then you know, we've had uh, 16, 17, nearly 18 years now of, of just watching him do his thing and he's been brilliant. So I can't say enough about him. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy from all accounts, um, great professional, great player. And uh, I think Doncaster Rovers without James Coppinger is going to be a very alien, sad thing for a little while <laughs> when that day does come. Yeah, I can imagine. Amazing career, really. And it's funny, those same those same conversations, either Louis, I didn't know to start on for another season with us. So having, having those same conversations regarding Lewington, uh, there was, we had a funny conversation with the goalkeeper and coach about how we we're going to name the away stand the Dean Lewington stand and make all the away fans sit in there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, listen, two absolute legends of the football, especially EFL-wise, and uh, they'll go down in history for sure. Okay, more of a focus on the Saturday now, I suppose, after a whole just general talk about Doncaster's season so far and, of course, Coppinger. Who would you say are some uh, key players to watch out for on Saturday for a Doncaster point of view? Yeah, as I say, it's tough at the minute. We've had got a few injuries. I think players are coming back now. I mean, Coppinger is the one to start with, and I would have done even if you'd not asked that previous question because he's <laughs> the form man at the moment. Goal and assist on Saturday. Um, he's, he's come back into the team under Butler and he's, he's, he's affecting it every game at the moment. Um, he, he does his thing, roams around midfield a little bit, you know, a bit of a free roll, number 10. And uh, he's always the, the one player we can count on to get the ball into dangerous areas and create something or get on the score sheet himself. Um, he's the form guy at the moment. I think if Omar Bogle uh, stays fit, he's going to be a big problem for MK at the weekend. Uh, something for your defenders to really have a hassle handling. Uh, signed him in January from Chartland. Not really pulled up any trees at his last few clubs, but he looks like a real handful at the minute. Uh, he looks motivated, uh, big and physical, which is what we need up front, bit of presence. Um, and I think he, he he's due a few goals, let's say. I mean, he scored two, won a penalty since he signed, but his working games, his effort to get in front of goal and his effort to bring teammates in is uh, making a big difference for us. And when he has been missing a couple of games, we've we've really, really missed that that focal point. Um, Bostock, as I've mentioned before, if he's if he's fit, which I hope he is, you know, we'll have a bit more creativity in midfield. Um, and I, I normally talk up our defenders. I normally talk up Tom Anderson, who is a, a great player, um, great defender at this level, really, you know, edit away, kick it away and really marshal that defence. But our defence has been a shambles recently. So, uh, you know, <laughs> players like players like Jerome and Fraser are, are really going to cause us problems, I'm sure. And our defence needs to be on it. Um, we've got a, a young kid in at left back now who looked pretty good on Saturday, to be fair to him, Brandon Horton. But we've not got a really set up back four that's consistent at the minute. And we're conceding a lot of goals, unfortunately. We've also got a young goalie in net as well, Louis Jones, who I, pres- I presume will keep, keep on in net. Butler brought him in. He's only 21 years old. He's only played five or six senior games. So, you know, there's there's definitely weak areas there, in particularly at the back. But um, hopefully, if we can get on the front foot on Saturday, then we'll be able to kind of affect the play a bit more than be passive and and hopefully be able to get on top. Because if we don't, I could foresee a long afternoon because it's just been that kind of that kind of way recently. I mean, you look at the Oxford game. 
uh, as a big example of that, we could have lost five or six nil. It were only three in end only. But um, yeah, so it all depends how we get on the ball, if we can, if Bostock's playing, because um, you, you'll be happy to know Matt Smith, who is our other good passing midfielder, won't be there because he's on international duty with Wales. Yeah, we've, we've been pretty fortunate that I don't believe any of our players got called up uh, to international duty, which is lucky. Uh, early in the season, we had a few, um, especially fullback, which put us really, really weak at fullback. Um, but yeah, fortunately, we haven't got that issue this time. Um, a player that caught my eye was Reese James. Um, he seems to be, maybe with all the injuries, a bit of a utility man this season. But of course, he's, he's still, what, second in goal contributions for nine in the League One, at least. So how important has he been to this side this season, who, as you said, have been kind of in a transition, but also with plenty of injuries, as, as you mentioned? Yeah, he's been a revelation, to be honest. I mean, he's probably the one player I've not mentioned yet who, who deserves mentioning, so I'm glad you've asked me that. Um, Reese is, uh, is leading the player of the season voting for me right now, personally. Uh, he's, he's a left-back by trade. He played there probably 95% of games last season. Did a good job. Very solid, uh, consistent left-back. Uh, he's not very tall, but he's very good positionally. But then going forward, uh, he, he really has been getting involved and Darren Moore kind of moved him into midfield. I think out of necessity a little bit, but Darren just liked to move everybody around and try him in different places. We have, at times earlier in the season, we played a centre midfield two of James and Halliday, who are our first choice fullbacks usually. And it actually worked against Blackburn in FA Cup. We beat him. So James, he's played centre mid, left back. He's played left midfield. I think he played right midfield in one game. And he kind of played as a number 10 slash false nine in one game and scored twice. So uh, it seems he can do it all. He'll probably be in net next week. Who knows? Um <laughs> He's, he has he has been fantastic. He's really good at running in behind. He's he's really good at finding you know through balls. And I just think that his movement he's so busy around the park. You couldn't you couldn't really do a man marking job on him. I don't think um, because he's you never know where he's going to be. He often he just pops up somewhere. We don't you know he's on right wing all of a sudden. He's supposed to be playing on on left side of midfield and all of a sudden he's on right wing curling a crossing for for Bogle or Okenabiri. And you just think how's he even got there? And I mean you watch it back. He's he just moves fluidly through the areas of the field and the different positions and kind of players kind of take it upon themselves to, you know, slot in behind him or whatever. And and I think he's done a really good job. Um, I think at the weekend, I'm hoping and expecting he'll probably be in centre midfield, especially with Smith being out, either alongside Bostock or Scott Robertson. Um, and if he is, it brings balance. You know, he's left footed. It brings a bit of balance to the team further up the field. Um, and yeah, it, uh, I think seven or eight goals, few assists. He's done really, really well. Um, and I can't say more for him. He's, he's top of the list as well for me of players that need a new contract because I think he's out of contract in summer. And I'm sure some other clubs will have taken notice of him because he's at a good age. He seems to be over his injury troubles that he had at Wigan uh, and Sunderland. And he's just looking like a different player now. And at this level, I don't think you can ask for much more from him as somebody who's, who's converted into midfield and He's kind of turned into a bit of a forward player and, and doing a very good job when he does. And he's most of his goals this season have been match winners for us. So can't argue with that. Yeah, that's why he caught my eye, actually. I've, I was kind of surprised that, well, of course, you mentioned him initially, but you have now. Uh, yeah, sad. I think a lot of championship interest may come in. Uh, hopefully, none from Sheffield Wednesday, unless they get relegated, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, another player that a bit more streaky, maybe, than Reese is uh, I know he caught, only caught the eye towards the start of the year, Taylor Richards. And I know some people really raving about him in that, in that spell. He scored quite a few goals, didn't he? And was pretty key for the Doncaster yeah, side. Yeah. How has he been in general this season? He, I don't know, as, as, as a, from, my, from my perspective, he just seems a bit, uh, a bit streaky. Yeah, I think you've got that got that right. He's, he's inexperienced and he's young. 
And he's one of those kind of flair players. I, I've called him a bit of a luxury player at times, which maybe does me a disservice when he's on it, because when he's on it, he, he, he's unplayable. Um, he's got great physical ability to kind of get himself on the ball and away from defenders. He does that really well. I mean, you'll see him winning free kicks left, right and centre in, in the game if, if the referee is obliged <laughs> uh, on Saturday, because he's that's one of the main things he does. For me personally... I don't know if he's what we need at the moment in terms of, you know, we're in a bit of a scrap for the playoffs and I think he kind of, he's best in the number 10 role or bursting out of a midfield three and Coffey just kind of locked that down at the moment, which is why he's kind of been in and out at team since Butler took over. Um, he's kind of been coming in off at wing sometimes or coming off at bench for Coppinger like he did on Saturday. Um, I don't think he gets himself as involved enough in games as he should do. And I think that's application and I think it's, you know, uh, kind of his, his youthful, inexperienced approach to the game. The lad has got bags of ability um if he applies himself uh and if he meets his potential he'll play in the premier league i do think that because his, his qualities are fantastic most of his goals this season have been from 20 25 yards sometimes he just lets rick with his left foot even in a crowd of players and it just finds bottom corner he's that kind of player um you know he's on loan from brighton i think brighton paid two and a half million for him from man city i mean if wow. you're spending if you're spending that kind of money on a 16 year old youth player then you know you know he's got something about him it's his application i think um, it's his how he learns, who he learns under, and how he kind of progresses over the next few years is what will make the difference for Taylor. Um, I don't think it'll be with us. Um, and I think he's probably, you know, you mentioned with Reese, maybe, you know, let's hope Chef Wednesday don't want to come in for him. But I think Taylor Richards, who was a Darren Moore signing, obviously, for Rovers, he's probably going to be top at list for, for Darren Moore to bring to Wednesday in summer, especially if they're in League One. I think Darren Moore kind of saw him as a bit of a pet project. You know, he played in most games. Played him in all kinds of different midfield roles, always gave him that platform, even if he wasn't maybe performing consistently. And it has paid off at times. He scored some great goals. He, I say he has got wonderful ability when he wants to, but recently he's not really shown enough of it, maybe because he's been in and out of the team. Maybe the change of management's not suited him or he's just taken some time to get used to it. You know, it's his first real season of senior football, so fair enough. Um, but uh, overall, a good contribution. I, I just wonder if he's the sort of player we need playing regularly at the moment when we're going for playoffs last 10 games or so. I'd, I'm not sure he is. I'd rather play Coppinger and, and if everyone's fit, you know, Smith and Bostock behind wouldn't really leave a place for Richards in the team because I don't really think he's much of a winger. Um, he likes to get in and amongst it really with the opposition in midfield. And yeah, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, he has had a good season. I, I shouldn't say otherwise, but he's not really my kind of player and I don't think he's necessarily the, the best fit for what we're trying to do at the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's the issue with young players. They need consistency on the field, so they need to be on the pitch all the time. And you have to set their mistakes. You know, with our back line as well, besides Louis, is a 21-year-old Warren O'Hora and a 21-year-old Harry Darling. And of course, Warren is also from Brighton, and it's kind of hard to pick a bad youth player from Brighton at the moment. Yeah. Um, and luckily, he's our player now, so that's very fortunate. But yeah, they just need they need time on the pitch, consistent time on the pitch. And if I said if if you can't give him that, then it's best not to play him um, in my opinion so I agree with you there okay um, let's get to our predictor Saturday 11 for Saturday um, I'll kick off with mine it's just fairly simple um, it's unchanged uh, from the weekend win over Burton uh, so that goes as follows so Andrew Fisher in goal uh, the back three of Warren Hora, Harry Darling Dean Lewington uh, wing backs Ethan Laird Eve, uh, Matty Saranola and then the midfield four of Josh Paquetka and Andrew Sermon, Scott Fraser and Matt O'Reilly, and then Cameron Jerome up front. So, Adam, what's your Doncaster starting 11 uh, looking like for Saturday? Yeah, 
I mean, getting asked this most of the season has been impossible. I mean, Darren Moore, loves, <laughs> Darren Moore made three to four changes every game and played play a lot of players. But now, a little bit more consistency, I think, now under Andy Butler. I think he wants to give players a chance to have a run. Um, I'm, I'm going to hope upon hope that Bostock's fit. So, with that in mind, uh, we'll go with Louis Jones in goal, uh, Brad Alladay at right back, Tom Anderson in Joe right centre half, Brandon Horton at left back, and then midfield two of Rhys James and John Bostock. Uh, we'll go with James Coppinger at number 10 and then a front three, uh, Josh Sims and Jason Lakilo out wide and Omar Bogle okay. up front. I just think that maybe he might give Lakilo a go instead of Okanabiri out wide just to try and kind of scratch pitch a bit. Obviously, you guys play with wing backs, so uh, as well as as that tracking back and being defensively, I think Lakilo has shown he can do that pretty well recently, whereas Okanabiri is more of a striker playing as an inside forward. I'm not sure that will really suit us on Saturday, but... I might be wrong. That's that's what I'd do, I guess. And that's kind of how I'm thinking Butler might do it, but we'll see. Interesting. Um, and then finally, I suppose we'll go to our score predictions. Um, so, Adam, how do you think Saturday's going to go for a score prediction? <laughs> I caught a bit of flack for going for a defeat when we on the Northampton podcast. So, I'm, I'm not going to do that again. I, I think we're kind, of, <laughs> we're kind of due a win. And again, I'm just hoping Bostock's fit because if he is fit, then everything I've said here applies. And if he's not, it's out the window and we'll probably get beaten. But uh, I'm going to go for a 2 1 win. We don't keep clean sheets, but I think we've got some goals in us now that Bogle and Sims are fit again. So, and now Copping's just firing as well. He's getting his chance. So, I like to think we've got some goals in us. We just need to find them. 2 1. I like it nice and positive. Um, I've also gone pretty positive from a Don's perspective. I've gone uh, 3 1 Milton Stones. Uh, form team in the league at the moment in terms of wins uh, and a really bit of speed. The- Form team of the league in Burton. So, no reason why to think we can't go and beat a Doncaster side who, yes, they're. You know, good position in the league, wanting the points, but you know it's as important for us to get these performances in ahead of next season, where we can make a challenge for a well, addition of Doncaster and now in the playoffs, and maybe not this season. This season is a bit too soon for me. Uh, plenty of development still to do, and a lot of young players. You need to learn a lot. Um, but yeah, a, a good stepping stone to beat a playoff team, definitely. And if we do that comfortably, then happy days. Okay, well, thank you very much, Adam, for uh, coming on the podcast. If you uh, want to plug anything, uh, feel free. Yeah, thanks. I mean, uh, website's uh, intotheemptynet.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at drfc underscore I-T-E-N. And we just do, you know, uh, live updates of games on there and obviously my articles analysing matches and whatever else is going on around club on the website. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, brilliant. Definitely check it out if you uh, have the chance. And uh that's the end of episode 42 thank you on podcast it'd be excellent if you could rate review and subscribe and as always come on you dons the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds however When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.